It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Tuesday, January 12th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes, our tribe beat writer. Hoynesy, uh, I guess if if yesterday was weird seeing Francisco Lindor in a Mets uniform, a Mets ball cap, uh, it was even stranger seeing Cookie today. Uh, Carlos Carrasco introduced to the, to the New York media as a member of the New York Mets, uh, wearing uh, 59 on that uh, pinstripe Mets jersey. A big smile on his face. He was cookie as ever. Uh, great, just great to see him smiling and, and having fun there. But, you know, just really sort of tugs at your heartstrings, knowing that this was a guy who was with the organization for what, uh, 12 years, 12, 13 years. And and now he's going to be pitching for the Mets. Yeah, like 2009, he came over uh, from the Phillies as, you know, in the Cliff Lee trade, um, you know, the Indians really didn't know, and he's the last man standing from that trade. And now, you know, there is, uh, well, I guess we've got two, uh, two middle infielders to uh, continue the, the trade tree. And, and <laughs> if you want to go that way, go that route, but you know, he's a long time. I mean, he was, he had to be the longest tenured Indian, right? I, I think. Uh, I, I, I believe so. Yeah. Because uh, uh, Roberto Perez has taken his spot in, in, as that. And um you know, we've just seen him, you know, like he said, he just grew up here, you know, grew up as a, he grew up as a person, developed as a person and as a pitcher here. And, and I think that, you know, that, that sort of grew up as, you know, uh, grew as we saw him early in his career. He, he was a a little fiery. He was, he had a temper. He, uh, he, he had a reputation and got suspended a couple of times, but uh, you know, sort of worked through that and, and developed it. You wouldn't have thought the guy that got, uh, you know, suspended by Major League Baseball for headhunting, uh, you know, once, uh, you know, would work his way into being this humanitarian and this outreach guy who wins the Roberto Clemente Award uh, 10 years later. It's it's crazy to, to, to think just the progress and the change and the development that Carrasco went through. Yeah, you know, we saw him what go from, you know, kind of rel- uh, starter to reliever on his way out. We saw him go through, you know, that he was barely hanging on. We saw him go through Tommy John surgery. We saw him come back and kind of find himself in the bullpen and then, you know, turn into one of the, one of the better starters in the American league, one of the most consistent starters in the American league. Then we saw him go through, um, you know, leukemia and all that treatment uh, two years ago. 
and uh, he comes back and makes, you know, makes every one of his starts this past season. So, you know, we, we uh, Indians fans have, he's have seen, you know, Carrasco go through probably the better part of the, of the arc is of his career. And, and he was asked about his reaction uh, to being traded from Cleveland. And he said, he admitted he said, it was emotional. That was, that was a, something that he admitted to, you know, knowing that he was going to have to leave the place where he, he had, had developed and grown up for so long. Uh, but he did say he was excited to join the, the, the pitching staff in New York. Uh, obviously, you're joining a, a perennial Cy Young contender with Jacob deGrom. Uh, you've got, uh, you know, Noah Syndergaard, who, who could be coming back from Tommy John surgery. Carrasco obviously knows about that. Uh, you got Marcus Stroman there. Uh, he, he fits in well. He's a good veteran fit. And, and all the things that made him a, a key to the Indians rotations in 2017, 2018 with Corey Kluber, with Trevor Bauer, all the things that he learned, he's bringing that all with them or with him. He can only make that New York Mets staff better. Yeah. And I think, you know, changing leagues will probably help him, Joe. Um, you know, I think the pitcher, you know, first time around usually has the advantage. So that should, uh, help him, um, you know, with the new league and, uh, you know, and the thing, uh, the thing with Carrasco, I think he want, I think he felt he'd, he'd probably end his career here because he signed in Cleveland. I'm saying, you know, he's what he signed at least two extensions. The last right. one goes through 2020 through 2023, the option. So, uh, you know, this is, I, I would imagine that's, it's a jolt, you know, cause Really, I mean, he came up with the Phillies, but this is really where he made his big league debut. And he's never pitched a game outside of wearing a Cleveland Indians uniform, just like uh, Francisco Lindor has never played in anything uh, but wear, uh, an Indians uniform. Right. Uh, we'll get to Frankie uh, in a minute because he did talk about, you know, coming over with Frankie. But, you know, you brought something up. Changing leagues might might help Cookie and might might add to his performance this upcoming season. Uh, what about pitching in that ballpark? Uh, you know, City Field is a, a very pitcher-friendly ballpark as opposed to, uh, you know, Progressive Field, which plays a little more even uh, for hitters and pitchers. Uh, yeah. City Field, is it's harder to hit home runs there. And it's, you know, it's a ballpark where, where the offense, you know, isn't necessarily the, the number one thing there. It's it, almost like an advantage for uh, – for him to, to go to this park and, and really just have a little more wide open space. Yeah. You know, it, it always seemed like a big outfield. I, I only, I've only been there a couple of times. I remember I was there for an all-star game and what, two years ago they played there, right? Right. They, 2019. Right. And uh, it, it seems like a big park. Um, yeah. The brand new park. I'm sure he'll love it. Um, and hopefully that works to his, his advantage. You know, I mean, it gives in, and I still think, you know, first time around, he's going to, you know, hitters aren't really going to be familiar with him, and uh, that should work to uh, Cookie's advantage. Well, another thing that will work to Cookie's advantage is that he'll have Francisco Lindor, his shortstop, playing behind him, a gold glove caliber uh, defender, and, you know, that, that, that's got to be reassuring, not just in the clubhouse and have, have a friendly face around, but you, you got to think that, uh, knowing that you're a ground ball pitcher anyways, as, as Cookie is, he can, he can get out of uh, situations, uh, you know, pretty easily with, with Lindor behind him playing defense. 
Yeah, definitely. And I think that, you know, going over in a big trade like this, probably the biggest trade of the offseason so far, uh, with, with somebody you know that, that you respect, one of your teammates, uh, that's got to make the transition a little easier, you know, with him and Lindor. So that's kind of a good thing. And you got somebody you know in the clubhouse you can talk to and uh, bounce things off of. So that, I think that's always easier when, you, when that happens. Uh, Carrasco did mention that he's spoken to Steve Cohen, the new owner of the Mets, and uh, that, you know, he's excited to play for a guy. He mentioned that, that Cohen's a, a Queens guy. He's a, he's a, you know, a local guy who now owns his hometown team. And he, he said he, he could sense that excitement. He's looking forward to meeting him, uh, you know, and, 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 and really just the, the excitement that, that Cookie just sort of let show through in that press availability today. Uh, really just gave you an indication of why he was such a beloved member of the Indians when he was here. Yeah, you know, a solid guy. Uh, really, like you said, we saw, Joe, he, he, he kind of changed his image. He, he grew up, you know, and, uh, you know, when he, he kind of found his footing, he got He's done, you know, charitable work, not just in Cleveland, but all over the world in his, in his home country of Venezuela. You know, I, know, I remember when the Indians were in Puerto Rico a couple of years ago to play that series against the Twins. Uh, he was handing out, you know, shirts and hats to the kids at the ballpark. Just, uh, just a good guy and uh, good family. And I like remember uh, last year when we asked him, uh, well, how are you getting ready for, uh, you know, this this pandemic shortened season. You know, how are you getting ready for spring training too? And he goes, he built a mound right outside his <laughs> on his front yard. Front, the I mean, front he, door of his house. Yeah. <laughs> That, that's pretty good. Yeah. The, the dedication that was required that uh, he went through there uh, to, to get himself ready. Uh, he, he mentioned uh, a couple of times throughout the, the interview today, he mentioned expectations of playoffs and world series. I mean, this is, he knows what he's getting into when you, when you go over with the Francisco Lindor and put yourself in a situation with the Mets Right now, the expectation is the Mets are going to make the playoffs and the Mets are going to contend for a World Series. That's He knows that right now, and he's, he spoke about that. He said he didn't get to pitch in the 2016 World Series, but he saw everything all the way through it. He, he was along for the ride, and, and he knows he, he wants that ring. He says that's why baseball players play the game, is to win uh, a, a World Series ring. Yeah, and the one thing about New York, Joe, is if you, do gr- if you win in New York – you're, you're a hero forever, man. People will love you. And it's just the opposite, too. So hopefully uh, Francisco and, and Carlos play well, play like they did in Cleveland and help the Mets, uh, you know, adv- get to the postseason and advance deep into it. Last thought on him. Uh, you know, it, it just occurs to me when you say something like that about how if you're, if you're a winner in New York or whatever, uh, you know, Bartolo Colon, another uh, former Indian, is beloved by Mets fans. I, yeah. he, he wasn't necessarily the, the winningest pitcher there, or what, but he had a personality and he, you know, he was just this big lovable guy. And when he pitched for the Mets, they still talk about him and they still talk about how great he was and, and how beloved he was. I could see Carrasco, you know, fitting his way into some sort of Bartolo Colon-esque sort of mystique with the, with the Mets. I, I could definitely see that. Hopefully he doesn't weigh 300 pounds when he does it. <laughs> well, um, and, and maybe, who knows? We've seen him swing a bat. Maybe if they don't get the DH this year. That's right. Yeah. He can, he can home, hit a home run the way that uh, 
I think uh, Cologne hit one in San Diego. Yeah, it, right. It was just the, the most shocking thing that you've ever seen. So, <laughs> so good luck to Cookie. Uh, you know, great to, great to see him happy and wish him all the all the success in the world. Uh, now let's let's talk about the other news of the day. I guess the uh, the, the the biggest move made overnight. Why in the middle? I guess while Ohio State was getting its brains beaten in last night by Alabama, uh, the White Sox decided to make a move to pretty much cement their hold on the uh, the championship in the American League Central next year. They signed Liam Hen- Hendricks, uh, probably the top closer out there on the on the market, uh, available as a free agent, to a three year deal. I think the total value of the contract is fifty four million, but there's a, a fourth year option. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a really funky sort of contract. Uh, either way, Liam Hendricks is going to get paid that fourth year, uh, whether he plays for the White Sox or not. Uh, but, you know, contract aside, this is a, a really big get for the White Sox. Yeah, definitely. They've been really, really aggressive this offseason, Joe. We saw them, you know, we've seen this team coming together for the last two years. Uh, they and uh, they've added Adam Eaton, an outfielder. They've added Lance Lynn for the rotation, now Hendricks. And, you know, they added Tony La Russa as a manager. Um, you know, they, they've, they're all in here. They, and they should, uh, you know, they've got to be the favorite coming out of the gate to, to win the Central. And, uh, you know, last year the Indians, you know, kind of went, uh, they, they, they finished with the same record, 35 and 25. The Indians won the tiebreaker. I think they went eight and two against Chicago, beat them, beat them up down the stretch. Um, but uh, the Indians are going one way and the, and the White Sox are going, going another way right now. All right. Last year, Hendricks, a 1.4 uh, baseball reference war. Uh, so 1.4 wins above replacement. He was three and one with a 1.78 ERA and 14 saves in 24 appearances last year. A 0.671 whip. Uh, that's pretty good. That, that's a pretty good uh, season, uh, regardless of you know whether you led the league in, in saves or not. Um, the contract is still just the, the weirdest thing to me. He gets paid over the first three years, and then in the fourth year, it's an option year for the club, but it's like 15.4 million. If they decline the option, the buyout is 15.4 million spread out over like you know, 10 years or something. And, you know, it's just reminiscent of just these, all, all these crazy contracts that you used to see in like the nineties. Yeah. So the Bobby, the Bobby Bonilla contract, he'll be, he'll be getting paid when he's in a rocking chair on the front porch. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Or when he's back down, down, down under in Australia, drinking a beer somewhere, a Foster's. Or yeah. Something. He's cracking open a Foster's and, and, uh, and celebrating <laughs> with his, his million dollar check once a year. Uh, makes makes perfect sense. Who knows? Uh, and, and Joe, you know, this just shows you the the the, the, the crazy course of st- st- uh, you know relievers and closers take. This is a guy that's been de- designated for assignment four times, right? You know, and just you know he he's bounced around. He's you know he's and uh, found you know found some lightning in a bottle with Oakland, and now he's turned it into a four year deal that he's set for life for. Him. It's it's sort of similar to the, the 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 course of Brad Hand's career. You know, Brad Hand was was designated in in Miami, I believe, and right. Sent along to uh, to San Diego before he sort of developed. Really, does that have more to do with finding the right you know pitching coach or bullpen coach? 
somebody who just gives you that one piece of advice that, that sets you on the right course uh, after, after being up and down for, for as many years? Is that, that, I, I mean, I got to think that that's what happened to Hendricks. Yeah, I think that that plays into it. And a lot of times, you know, you, uh, uh, if you have a great arm, they want to see you start. If you can't start, you know, you, you move into the bullpen and you kind of limit your pitches. And all of a sudden, you know, instead of, you know, pacing yourself, you're throwing as hard as you can for an inning and a half with, with your best two pitches and you're, you're transformed. I mean, that's what you know, I know this is, a, this is not the, the most popular name. And I, know, I know which one you're going to give us right but now. That's, this is, that's what happened to Jose Mason. There you go. I, I mean, knew it was coming. Starter, and then he turns into, you know, one of the best. He, I mean, this is a closer. I mean, he, you know, he obviously he's lived, his name lives in infamy in Cleveland, but he's still a guy that saved over 300, 300 games in his career. Right. And it really just that ability to, you know, you're only seeing these guys once, once right at the most you're not going through the order two three times and and that's that makes you that much more effective unless unless you're chapman and then you know all bets are off because yeah it doesn't matter god knows how long you can leave that guy out there in a game uh you know into the 10th inning of the game seven of the world series i guess uh so yeah, yeah I, you know if this is still trying to pull that ball fair wish that uh, ball fair down the right field line uh <laughs> You know, but just uh, Jeff Passon from ESPN pointed out, just getting back to the White Sox, uh, he pointed out that pretty much the White Sox are the only team in the American League that's really made, uh, only playoff team in the American League that's made significant changes to their their roster in the in the offseason. Uh, you talk about Tampa Bay, they traded away their, their probably their best pitcher in, in Blake Snell, uh, and they non-tendered Hunter Renfro. Uh, they did add starter Michael Waka, but I mean, he, he was, his ERA was 6.62 last year. So, uh, not much there. Minnesota loses Eddie Rosario. Uh, they, they non-tendered him. They don't know if they, they're going to resign him yet. Uh, and Matt Weisler walked, uh, Robbie Grossman leaves Oakland. Marcus Simeon could be going, uh, obviously Cleveland trades Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco. And the Yankees are still struggling to to sign DJ LeMayhew, as we're hearing uh, they could be at an impasse over money there. Uh, so really, everybody else is either standing still or getting worse, and the White Sox are zooming by, getting better. Yeah, I mean, like you said, the Twins, Joe, they've lost Trevor May, Tyler Clippard, uh, Sergio Romo's a free agent, Eddie Rosario, like you said, Odorizzi's still out there, Nelson Cruz, they haven't, you know, they haven't re-signed him. Marwin Gonzalez would like to see Nelson Cruz either go to the NL West or the, you know, yeah, or, yeah, right. or a, on a boat back to, uh, you know, wherever, <laughs> just get him the, the heck out of the AL Central. Uh, he, he's not welcome here. Yeah, I mean, uh, the can't, uh, other than uh, other than the White Sox, the busiest team in, in the AL Central has been the Royals. They what they've signed San Carlos Santana. Resigned Greg Holland, um, signed Mike Minor, um, a lefty for the rotation. They they signed Irvin Santana to a minor league deal, so they've been fairly busy as well. Yeah, you got to kind of keep an, an eye on some of these teams, uh, like the 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 Royals, the White Sox. Those uh, not just the White Sox, but uh, that the Indians are going to wind up playing, you know, nineteen times each this year you're going to face Mike Minor. They, they can't hit Mike Minor. I know, that, they couldn't. That's, they can never hit Mike Minor. 
So the Indians, not only do they see, you know, the, the White Sox get stronger, but even teams that were below them in the standings last year, like Kansas City, add absolute Indians killers like Mike Miner. And, it, you know, it's, it's, it just makes it hard to look forward to, you know, uh, an, an August four-game series in Kansas City when you know you're going to face them. Definitely. He, I mean, he beat him in Texas. He beat him. I think he, he was with Kansas city before, wasn't he? I think. Right. I, I, yeah. And they couldn't hit him then. They couldn't hit him in Texas. And now he's back with the Royals. So. Oh, uh, it, it just pile it on. Come on, Indians fans. We, we're, we're waiting to hear uh, the, the next big move. That's going to make it, uh, you know, make 2021 a perilous season. All right. Uh, as we move forward, uh, we're, we're hoping to uh, get uh, hear from, uh, Ahmed Rosario, Andres Jimenez at some point, uh, either this week or next week, uh, hopefully the, the club will set up some sort of availability with them. So it'd be interesting to hear their thoughts on, uh, on the trade and coming and joining the Indians. Uh, you know, I just, that to look forward to for the, uh, the end of this week, Lindsay, anything else for, uh, for today? No, you know, I saw something, uh, uh, from MLB network, they were ranking the, uh, top 10 relievers. And uh, they had uh, uh, in 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 the top six there was uh, Drew Pomerantz, former number one pick for the Indians, was number two. James Karinchak was number five, and Brad Hand was number six. And I was wondering, you know, what Hendricks' contract, how that will influence uh, Hand, if it influences him at all on the free agent market. Yeah, I mean, this was the Indians deemed him. Too uh, too pricey at ten million to to pick up that option, uh, which would have made him what the highest paid player on the team, yeah. If, if that was the case, uh, but yeah, I'm sure I, I'm sure some team out there is going to give him more than that ten million over you know uh, possibly a two, a two or three year deal. Uh, I'm sure he wants a, a three with with a, an option for a fourth year, uh, like Hendricks or like Hendricks got. So, uh, will be interesting to see where uh, where Brad Hand where Brad hand ends up. All did right. You think, we'll, did you think Karen check was like the top five, the fifth if best you go just based on his stuff? Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's going to blow a ton of games next year. It's, it's going to happen because he's, he's going to go through more learning and growing pains, but based on his stuff, absolutely. He's, he's a yeah. top five guy. I mean, he, he's the guy that you bring in that they, they did it this year when they were in a situation where they needed a strikeout because they had guys on base, they brought him in because that's what he does. So, yeah, I don't know. I was looking at his stats. He, I think almost 49% of the, the, the batters he faced, he struck out. I think he, what, 53 strikeouts in about, I don't know how many, how many innings he had, but it was, it was unbelievable. His, his percentage of strikeouts. Right. And that, that was his calling card coming up from, from, uh, you know, double a, that was, what what he did so all right Hoinsey we'll uh we'll check back in with you again later on this week talk to you later on the Cleveland Baseball Talk Podcast all right Joe